Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Thursday, May 26th. My name is Mark Schofield. Chuck Jodas out scouting, I think, a Scandinavian kicker it is, trying to find somebody that might make it in the NFL lawn shot type guy. But Fantasy Week rolls on, and we have a terrific guest for you today. I'm very excited to talk to him. But before we get to our great guest, I want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Reality Sports Online a powerful fantasy platform that lets you build and manage your fantasy team like a real-life GM. The platform features the revolutionary free agency auction room and has tons of other cool features like a rookie draft, franchise tags, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Visit realitysportsonline.com today and use the promo code PYLON for 10% off the platform fee. And since Fantasy Week rolls on, there's no greater guest to have than a powerful figure, a great voice in this fantasy realm. You know him from footballguys.com. Sigmund Bloom joins us today. Sigmund, how are you, my friend? Great. I think, Mark, uh, we and probably a lot of people listening to the show right now share this thing where we don't stop thinking about football. No. And football guys and fantasy football and this whole world that we're part of, it's encouraged us. It's made us feel... No stigma for doing that. Thank you, no. everybody, for encouraging us. So it's, it's great. great. Like, we're not degenerates anymore. No, it's like no. acceptable. It is. It is. So it's it's great because the draft I think releases energy. People get interested in their teams again, and that's the last big plate tectonic move. We can really look at these depth charts now. We can start to picture these teams with new coaches, maybe with new schemes, with new personnel. And for fantasy, we're looking and trying to figure out how big is that pie of offensive production going to be and how is it going to be divided up. And that's if we're close, at least on some of these, it can give us a leg up. Yeah, and I want to start with your post-draft 100, um, looking at some of the guys that are coming into this league. And we start at the top, and Sigmund, is Ezekiel Elliott pretty much a no-brainer, top-of-the-board kind of guy, like move heaven and earth to get up to draft this guy? Yeah, and this is partially because now if we're talking about this in dynasty rookie draft terms, so those of you who may not have played dynasty leagues, you're looking for the next thing. Uh, Dynasty leagues are leagues where you keep players from year to year. You keep them depending on some have salary caps and contracts. Uh, Some just you just keep the players perpetually. So every year there's a rookie draft, just like there is in the NFL. So this is a lot of fun. if you were last place last year, it's not as much fun, but it's more fun when you get someone like Ezekiel Elliott. He's the clear number one pick, but like you said, move heaven and earth to get him because I think this is one of the weakest skill player classes, our classic fantasy positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, that we've seen in a while, in the last five or ten years. Ezekiel Elliott, on the other hand, in terms of fantasy value, might be the number one running back this year. I was just on another show uh, with Evan Silva and Ross Tucker talking about it. would you take – uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, sure. Uh, if someone said, I want to take him number one overall this year in my fantasy draft, I'd say that's not crazy. This is a perfect storm. So you move heaven and earth to get him up there because like in the NFL, some people think more is better. So, hey, I'll give you one four and one eleven and two five to move up to one one. Some people think that looks like a good deal. But the drop off in terms of value is very steep this year in rookie drafts. And I, I think that once we get out of the top seven or eight, there's a few what-ifs and maybes, but nothing like we've seen in previous years where maybe you were getting somebody in the second round like Dante Moncrief. There's nothing like that this year. Right. So use your rookie picks, bind them up, throw in players, go up to get Ezekiel Elliott, and if you love him so much that you want to take him very early, take him very early because we saw what DeMarco Murray did two years ago. I think Ezekiel Elliott 2016 is better than DeMarco Murray 2014. 
And I think that people need to remember the scheme and the offense and everything that's in place in Dallas. You've got Tony Romo, who's been injury-rattled through his career. They're going to want to rely on the run game. They have that offensive line, and now you get a running back with Elliott's caliber in there. I mean, like you mentioned, it's the perfect storm of production, I think. And they, this is a team built to win games with the running game. Yeah. And uh, it, it will magnify his value. So if it turns adequate at best running backs like Darren McFadden and Joseph Randall into good producers, what will it do with an elite producer? And again, every time I talk about him, I bring this up. But Marcus Mosier, who's a really great football writer, right. uh, the, he writes uh, for a site. I think it's his site, Footballology. Yep. And he was not sold. So, so Mark, this is fun. Like we're going back to draft stuff right. where, where – People that think that it's the worst thing ever to take the, a running back number four, especially when Jalen Ramsey is there. I say, come at me, because I think this this is when you have a team blueprint that emphasizes a position and you can get the best prospect of that position for, say, the last four or five years. Why wouldn't you take him? But here's the thing. And he pointed out something that he wasn't sold on the pick. Marcus wasn't. But he pointed out in his piece as he was going back over it a few weeks ago, something a week ago that Vince Wilfork said uh on SiriusXM Radio about the problem as a defensive lineman when you play Dallas is that they run zone and and power both very well. Their offensive linemen, the coordination on the line, they run both types of plays very well. As a lineman, you can prepare to, to move laterally and keep your knees protected against a zone team. You can prepare to hold the point of attack against a power team. But when you don't know play to play what's coming, it's very demoralizing and debilitating over the course of a game. And Ezekiel Elliott can run both of those schemes very well. Last year, if it was McFadden, you knew it was going to be power. And if it was Randall, you knew it was going to be zone. So they tipped their hand a little bit. They were still very successful because of how good that offensive line is. Now when you add that element of deception, when you add that element of keeping defensive linemen off balance, literally and figuratively, well, we shouldn't put limitations on how could it be. Could he have a 2,000-yard season? Why not? And the other thing is, with respect to Elliott's game, he's not just a two-down back. Like, if oh, it's no. third and eight, he's staying on the field because he's good out of the backfield, and he's great in pass protection. So that comes with extra value because you know you're going to get a full workload from him, you know, all three downs. He's going to catch passes for you out of the backfield. They'll get him involved in the screen game. I just think, again, the phrase perfect story so he can fit it perfectly well. Yeah, and that's what in fantasy that's what you're looking for. And we've seen every like the league winning situations are ones like remember Randy Moss and, and Wes Welker, for instance. You know, this idea of we put these elements together, well, we don't know how good it can be. That's the kind of question that I want to hear in my head when I'm taking my first round pick in a fantasy draft. Now, after Elliott in your post draft 100, you've got a sort of a run on wide receivers from Treadwell right. and Coleman and Dawson, Shepard, Michael Thomas, and Leonte Carew. Out of those guys, who would be a guy in a sort of a dynasty situation you yeah. think would be best for a long term fix? And then who do you think contributes early in their career? I still love Treadwell. Yeah. And like Elliott, um, I look at team building and I look at Mike Zimmer and I look at Teddy Bridgewater. I often say teams take on the personality of their quarterback and head coach. And we could do a whole podcast on that, Mark. Yeah. I'm sure you and I together. Easy. But per- personality, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, just Teddy Bridgewater, quiet intensity. Uh, Mike Zimmer, quiet intensity. Yeah. Laquan Treadwell, quiet intensity. I think these guys are going to complete the circuit together. I think that Treadwell is going to be a tremendous fit. He's only 20. We don't know how good he can be. And, yes, the Vikings, when they had nothing at wide receiver, were a very uh, low-volume, boring, short-range pass offense. Well, now they have somebody that should inspire them to do more. 
Teddy's, what, 23? These guys are going to grow together, and I think they're going to grow together into one of the best quarterback-wide receiver combinations, and they're moving back indoors, which should also help their twatter. definitely help them. And I think Perrin Treadwell with Diggs, they're guys that do things differently. I think that's going to be a nice little combination that that offense can build around. You know, they don't – now they've got two weapons on the outside, so defenses can't really focus so much on Adrian Peterson. And he will also, by the way, for those fantasy types out there, Treadwell will probably result in at least – two to three Peterson runs breaking for an extra 20 or 30 yards with his downfield blocking. So for the short term, let's look at Sterling Shepard. Uh, first of all, you have, I want to say that Archie Manning said that Eli likes him so much that they're going to adopt him or something. So you're, 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 you know, uh, and otherwise this is somebody coming from an Oklahoma program. The list of Oklahoma wide receivers over the last say 10 years that have flopped in the NFL. It's a long list. It is. Um, they're not refined receivers generally when they come to the NFL, uh, it's not an offense that asks receivers to do NFL kind of things. Sterling Shepard is the rare Oklahoma receiver who runs routes extremely well. Footwork, change of speeds and routes. He's not a true burner, but he creates deep separation with the way he sets up players with his double moves. Uh, he's a player who, even though he's 5'10", 194, he wins at the catch point. He has a nose for the end zone, can break tackles. I'd, he's also an excellent blocker. Whenever in that Oklahoma offense you have these little screens, smoke routes where it depends on a wide receiver to spring that block, he would get that block. Uh, like Treadwell, a tremendous blocker. And we have Victor Cruz still working on the side. Okay? So we're two years removed from the patella injury, or a year plus. Now this calf issue that sidelined him last year, well, it's May, and he's still working on the side. He took a huge pay cut. Sterling Shepard's going to be the number two receiver for this team. Odell Beckham's going to gather all the coverage. Shepard's going to get the good matchups. And I think you're going to see Sterling Shepard come out of the gate, maybe as the number one rookie receiver for this year. Uh, And the only thing that would have put him behind Treadwell long term would just be he's not going to be the number one on a team with Odell Beckham, but he's going to be a very good NFL receiver. I want to move to the running back position. And again, I mean, after Elliott, there are some guys that I think could do really well long term, but might not contribute in the short term. But a guy that might do that in the short term is a guy in Oakland. DeAndre yeah. Washington, he's a guy that made a big jump in your rankings, your pre-draft or post-draft, because of the fit there. What should people know about Washington? And I maybe was too conservative, Mark, to be yeah. honest. Uh, maybe I should have put him up above or equal to, say, C.J. Precise. Uh, he's a running back, I think, that has some refinement to his game before we see what he's capable of, but a lot of juice in his legs when you watched him at Texas Tech. Uh, a guy that you want to get in space, but also a guy that has that classic short compact build not a true power back but i think he can handle himself in between the tackles if if he gets his game a little more under control the other side of this of course is situation oakland has given us a lot of signals that they're not sold on latavius murray Um, this is his walk year in his rookie contract and i think washington is a guy at the very least that could step in and do some of the things that they hoped roy halu could do last year as a situational back but then once you see him Maybe you ask him to do more. There's a, a running back that we see it every year, Mark, in fantasy football, that some running backs that we don't have on our radar or we're just considering on the margins by week 12, 13, 14, when it gets really important in fantasy leagues, are very important. I think DeAndre Washington is someone we have to watch. And in OTAs and training camp, the more the coaches like him, the more you should like him and look for him to slowly but surely, maybe quickly, overtake Murray. Now, if you're looking for early production at the quarterback position out of this draft class, is Paxton Lynch your best bet, you think? 
Well, Lynch is interesting simply because um, he has great receivers. He's got Sanders and Thomas. Now, they're only going to ask him if he starts to throw 22 times a game, 24 times a game. But he is a great athlete. Uh, and if he, they do a little bit more with him that set, set him up to use that for fantasy. And from a long-term perspective, I like that for him uh, as a fantasy quarterback. And Carson Wentz has a little bit of that in, in him too. But Jared Goff is going to be in a similar situation, but without Thomas and Sanders. Right. You know, he's going to have Kenny Britt and Tavon Austin and who knows, Brian Quick. You know, we'll see if they can get something out of these guys. That's Todd Gurley's offense. So I, I think that it is Lynch in the short term, but really in the short term, none of these guys are, you're not even going, going to look at in fantasy leagues, even as a streamer where you just pick them up to play them for a week to cover a bye week because as rookies, they're going to want to keep everything bite-sized for them. You're looking at year two, year three. This isn't going to be an Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, RG3 wow. kind of situation where these guys can really hit the ground running for fantasy football. Let's not ignore the IDP guys out there. You've got a yeah. linebackers. In your, you know, top 20, I think. Miles um, mm-hmm. Jack and Darren Lee, those two guys. Um, what right. should IDP players expect from those two? Well, Miles Jack, as far as we know, the injury concerns are long-term concerns. He's going to slot in as a three-down linebacker right away with Telvin Smith in that uh, defense. And though maybe Telvin Smith is a little bit of a cap on his upside because you have these two guys that can fly around the field and rack up tackles. If Jacksonville becomes a little bit better team than last year and the defense isn't on the field as much, uh, maybe that reduces tackle opportunity. But Miles Jack is everything we're looking for in a, a fantasy IDP. I guess you don't really get points for good coverage because that's the crazy thing about this guy. He's linebacker he size. He can cover guys in the slot. He can cover guys in the, the slot. Yeah, so that, that doesn't result in IDP fantasy points. But otherwise, uh, you have somebody who's going to have massive opportunities, a three-down linebacker right away. Darren Lee also. Uh, the li- inside linebackers were getting old I- with the Jets. Um, Lee comes in there, and I think with Todd Bowles, that you let these uh, linebackers get aggressive. Remember, like, Daryl Washington before everything went downhill. He was an IDP force. You get some sacks. You, Darren Lee is a guy who can run. I don't know if you would put him quite where Ryan Shazier was. Shazier... I think it was more physical than Lee, but sometimes you would watch Shazier at Ohio State and say, what was he thinking? Why would he have done that on that play? With Lee, I don't think you see as much as that, but you don't see him as physical. You don't see him as willing to be combative and throw his body around in there. So we'll watch for that, but he will have an opportunity with the Jets to be in the mix a lot. And, of course, with that off uh, defensive line in front of him, he'll be freed up he'll to run. And that's also what we're looking for in IDP leagues. Another defender that made a kind of a jump um, similar to Washington on the offensive side of the ball was Carl Joseph, mm-hmm. um, drafted by Oakland, the safety from West Virginia who missed a lot of last season, that torn ACL. But I think you feel that he's in a good fit there and can make a lot of plays and be valuable yeah. for IDP players. Well, and he's matched up with Reggie Nelson now. Yeah. So you've got Reggie Nelson on the back half of that defense. He's going to be your center field fielder and now you can play around with Carl Joseph you can send him on blitzes uh he's a ball hawk he's a ball hawk whether you're asking him to go sideline to sideline as a safety whether you're asking him to stick to guys um as far as his run support and his ability to be not just a sound tackler but a tackler that can force fumbles and blow up plays he's reminiscent of Bob Sanders now maybe he'll have a Bob Sanders injury history Bob Sanders is one of my favorite players to watch uh, in the time I've been watching the NFL so I that may be a little bit of aesthetics or emotional reaction on my part, Mark, to say Carl Joseph is a player. I wanted my Steelers to take him. He didn't get that far. Um, So as long as the ACL recovery is good, the other thing you have in this defense, and let's just go talk some football real quick, Mark. 
the Raiders. Uh, all of a sudden now, you got they Khalil Mack. Like a good team right now. Yeah. Khalil Mack now with Bruce Irvin. Uh, you also have, remember they picked up Alden Smith. Yeah. Everyone forgets that. They picked up Alden Smith. So now you have Mack with Irvin and Smith in this pass rush. Um, you've got uh, Mario Edwards Jr. had Really, they, a lot of people thought he was a reach in the second early second round. He panned out, had a neck thing they were worried about, but that looks like that's going to be okay. So, you know, you have the players up front to generate pressure. Um, now you have Nelson and Joseph, which I think is a tremendous, tremendous safety combination. You have an offense that can put points on the board and put the opposing offense uh, under pressure to keep up with them. I like this Raiders team, and I see a potential uh, group of defensive playmakers that gel and a team that gels this year. So that's another reason I like Carl Joseph, short-term and long-term. Now, I will get away from fantasy for a second. I just got to ask you this. I know you're a Steelers fan. I'm a Pats yeah. guy. But isn't the NFL better when the Raiders are good? Yeah, I think that – and I'm not that old. Okay, I'm 40. I mean, but I was, 39. I, I mean, we're the yeah. same age, basically. I was born in 1975, which is when the Steelers won their first Super Bowl. Um, but I, I'm, I'm old enough that I can remember when it was still very fresh in everyone's minds that the AFC, the epic, epic battles of the Raiders – Dolphins, Steelers, Broncos, later on you have the Oilers. Um, every one of these teams were good enough to be a Super Bowl winner in some of these seasons. The, a lot of people think the best Steelers team didn't even make the Super Bowl. It was, uh, I think, 78, the year that Franco Harris got hurt, um, or the seven, the Super Bowl that happened in 78. So, yeah, when you have that, I mean, I think we've had in, in the AFC similar but lighter version with basically – Denver or Indy. Well, I should say Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, yeah. Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. What, what do you have, with the exception of the Joe Flacco Super Bowl, um, those guys have represented the AFC how many years in a row? I don't. I mean, it's I mean, it's like, like 12, 13, 14. Something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So that creates intrigue in the playoffs, and that also creates that the one-upmanship, you know, uh, uh, trying to stay, stay, stay a, a step ahead. Maybe it's going to be the NFC that gives us that now with Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota and what's going on there with Cam Newton, with Seattle, who we know are, are going to be perennially around there. I think Dallas is going to be right in the mix again this year, speaking of Ezekiel Elliott. I think that Arizona obviously is going to be in the mix, speaking of New England. They get Chandler Jones. Uh, so in Green Bay, they you know they get back to Jordy Nelson. So maybe it's the NFC that's going to give us that uh, steel start sharpens steel, iron sharpens iron kind of thing, where these teams just keep getting better and raising the bar for each other. That's probably a good point, but I just I don't know. There's something about the silver black and yeah, you know, the black hole out there. It's just it's fun get Matt Waldman talking about the Raiders when you yeah. have Waldman on here. Get him get him opining. Get him waxing philosophical and poetic about Al Davis and the Raiders and the way that he put together the island of misfit toys and and really changed the course of professional football doing that. Will do. We're gonna to get to some more stuff with Sigmund in a moment, but first, I wanted to tell our listeners: Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, 
automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your GM skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock-free agency auction. And if you like what you see, use the promo code PYLON to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Sigmund, I wanted to talk to you about a piece that you've got up at Football Guys right now. It's about the 10 things fantasy players learned in 2015. I think it's a great resource for people who are starting to get into their drafts, starting to think about how they're going to structure their teams. And first off the bat, something dear to my heart, QB1s can be draft busts in fantasy leagues. Yeah. It's, so, it doesn't make sense to me, Sigmund. Make, make some sense. Yeah, well, well, it doesn't make sense. And certainly, if you drafted Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck last year, it didn't feel like it felt like the world's upside down. So the trend, and I, every time I talk about this, I have to mention J.J. Zacharyson, uh, number fire at right. late round quarterback. He yeah. wrote something four or five years ago, the late round quarterback idea that don't even draft a quarterback in the first ten or twelve. Um, you can actually what we would call stream quarterbacks right. and pick one up off of the waiver wire based on who's hot or the matchup and cobble together a committee over the course of a year that can equal the production of, say, the number six, seven, eight quarterback, maybe better. And along the way, maybe you stumble onto a Nick Foles from a few years ago while you're cycling through some of these guys. Kirk Cousins last year, you know, you were cycling. No one drafted Kirk Cousins. nobody did. People weren't hot and bothered to get him off the waiver wire in the first half of the year. He was winning leagues for us in the fantasy playoffs. So the trend was already going in this direction last year. Uh, and I think in more traditional casual leagues, quarterbacks are still going in the first and second round. Now, if you follow the industry and you follow quote unquote expert leagues, uh, we like to play it like taking the gas tank to eat. You know, I'll, right. we, we will one up each other on how long we will wait before we take a quarterback. And it's a simple supply and demand issue here where there's only 12 teams and there's 32 quarterbacks. And you may go and look at quarterback rankings. Go ahead and just rank right now while you're listening. Just pick 15 quarterbacks. You're going to find that number 15 is going to be someone you know, like Matthew Stafford or Kirk Cousins, who is going to be even better this year, probably with Josh Doxson in that yeah. offense and so on. I'm comfortable with the number 15 quarterback. So why take a quarterback early? That being said, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, this year, um, Cam Newton going into drafts. We'll look at him, Russell Wilson. These are guys that still give you an advantage. And at a certain point in your draft, the risk-reward balance if you're doing a draft and Cam Newton is still there in the sixth round, take him. If Russell Wilson's still there in the seventh, eighth round, take him. Last year, that was Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers in the third round because they were normally first-round picks. Now you can get them in the third round. Take the discount. Well, you were ready to release these guys from your fantasy team. Well, lucky you had to when you got hurt. With Rodgers, you were so frustrated that you wanted to re- remove the temptation to play him in your lineup. Uh, unless it was a garbage time game last year, he was a disaster because of Jordy Nelson's injury. So basically, there's no safe shelter at the quarterback one position now. We can see that the loss of a, of a big-time receiver or a poor offensive line can doom even the best quarterbacks. But these aren't rigid rules because Cam Newton lost Kelvin Benjamin in the preseason last year, had a career year. Yeah. Russell Wilson had one of the worst offensive lines in the league, had a career year. So still be willing to take a quarterback that you like. The price has to be right. And with everybody starting to wake up to what J.J. realized four or five years ago, that price continues to go down. Fantasy players for years have been pulling their hair out over what Bill Belichick does with his offense. Right. Does he finally have the guy in Deion Lewis in that backfield? 
Yeah, well, and this is one where I may turn it back on you, Mark, and say, what do you think? Because I, 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 I sit in that segment, I still don't know. I mean, I look at what they, what they can put it on the field, and if you figure, you know, New England likes to go up-tempo at times, you can do that with Deion Lewis. Um, you can run it between the tackles at times. You can get them the ball in space. But they just change so much from week to week. Their entire modus operandi can change. Sure. So sure. You, you may see them come out and slint it 55 times and go absolutely up-tempo, no huddle an entire game. And then next week they're going to pound blunt in between the tackles right. 45 times. So, right. I mean, I just – my hesitation is still there, but that's, you know, born from – you know, a decade or so of watching Tom Brady and Bill Belichick do things from different differently from week to week. But I think, and to your point, Deion Lewis might finally be the guy that he's going to say, look, look what he did last year. Look what he can do when he has the ball in his hands. Look how he can put pressure on a defense on the edges. Let's build an offense kind of around him because let's not forget Tom Brady is 39. And Tom Brady's not somebody you're going to use throwing outside of the numbers. He's not somebody you're going to use to stretch the field. Right. And you add, you add Martellus Bennett, you're going to keep that, that offense compressed. Uh, which is fine because you, that Dion Lewis is, is that gnat that you have buzzing outside of that area that is very difficult to handle in one-on-one matchups. Um, you know, even in a, in a game last year, whenever uh, except whenever he left with injuries, like in, against Washington, Blunt had 29 carries. There were still eight touches for Lewis before he tore his ACL in that game. There was a game against Indy when Blunt had seven, 16 carries. Lewis still touched the ball seven times, including three receptions. Point per reception is a big part of this, too, when you get a point every time he catches the ball out of the backfield. But here's a question I'll, I'll toss to you, Mark. Before Deion Lewis, who was the last player that the Patriots gave an extension in season? Gave an extension in season? Was there even one? I don't know. I don't know. That's not Patriots that normal. Up. Can we just say that's not the Patriots no, normal? No, that's not the miss. Patriots way. I mean, the Patriots way is, thank you so much for your service. You've done wonders this year. Here's your last paycheck. Please give me your playbook. Right. That's how they do things. I mean, they get what they can out of a guy and move on quickly. I mean, so the fact that like, that's a great point. segment. the fact that, you know, and Matt actually made this point recently. I was chatting with him. He's like, when you're thinking about putting together fantasy rosters, look at what teams do contractually. Like if they're signing a guy to a long-term deal, if they're, like you said with Lewis, re-signing him in season, that means they've got a plan for this guy. That's not just the next six games. Yeah. So I, and here's just, Take fantasy out of the equation in the numbers. Just watching football. Deion Lewis was one of the 10 best running backs on the field in the NFL last year. Yep. Just watch him play. Forget about how it translates to fantasy productions. He was a really, really, really good football player. And I think a lot of people out there would be shocked to learn that as we record on this day, he is 25 years old. Yep. So He's you not. still... He's still young, you know, torn ACL, sure, but he's got recuperative power, healing powers of a, a younger back. And he was a top 10 in PPR leagues. He was a top 10 fantasy running back on a points per game basis before he went down. You can get that in the fourth, fifth round of drafts this year. I like that. And I also think that the Patriots are going to be on another revenge tour. I think the Patriots they so, always so, are. Na- narrative, some people think narrative doesn't belong in fantasy football. I go just the opposite. First of all, because it's fun. Yeah. Narrative is fun. Like but the stories. other is. The other is it's a it's a real thing again, Mark. You know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tag team on this. Yep. Tom Brady and the Patriots rubbing the NFL's face in it is a real thing. That is not something we are imagining. And in fantasy football, we're looking for things at the margin. Why might a team be the leading scoring offense 
in the NFL and therefore make such a large pie that whoever's getting a piece of it, that piece is going to get big. The revenge tour. And it's going to happen again. And if he misses the first four games, it's especially going to happen. And I do think the addition of Martellus Bennett is very underrated. I think this offense is going to put defenses in binds that they can't solve. Maybe one week it'll be Bennett. Maybe one week it'll be Lewis. Maybe one week it'll be Edelman, and they'll take turns. But the numbers are going to come, and they will all intersect at Tom Brady. I mean, I know people that have pretty much just tried to draft just Patriots, just draft a roster of Pats players because you know you're going to get big numbers every other week from one of these guys. Yeah, it's it, the offense is going to be one of the best in the league yeah. again, and and probably set the bar extremely high. And hopefully, we'll get to see Brady play at Arizona in Week One. A game's gonna be like fifty-one forty-five if he can play. Yeah, I mean that's that's one definitely worth up staying up for. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of tight ends, the tight end position usually confounds people. Um, they don't know how to deal with it. Do you draft a guy early? Do you just wait and see who you can get later on in drafts? Obviously, Gronkowski, people typically think he's the number one tight end, but is he really that far removed from the rest of the pack anymore? Probably not. Probably not. Jordan Reed was basically equal to him on a points-per-game basis last year. And Cousins and Reed have something good going in the red zone. They do. And again, this is something that we don't put enough weight on in fantasy football is quarterback and receiver chemistry. There's a lot of chemistry there. And Reed, what has been an injury-prone player, I think the next concussion could keep him out for a long time. I don't know how long, but they gave him an extension that indicates to me that at least internally, what they've been able to determine about his durability gives them confidence. And he was a player that for the first time last year played through nagging injuries. So I think Jordan Reed, in any week that we're projecting, so one of the things I do, Mark, is every week I project the stats for every player in every game. Right. So in a typical week, I'm going to project Jordan Reed roughly equal to Rob Gronkowski, even though Gronkowski is a first-round pick, Reed's a third- or fourth-round pick. Tyler Eifert, who now we don't even know if he's going to play week one, I would also have roughly in the same area. His red zone connection with Andy Dalton, plus the fact that Marvin Jones is gone, Muhammad Sanu is gone, there's more targets there. Uh, I think that uh, we would look at guys like Delaney Walker in a points per reception league because of the high volume your your classic number one receiver who happens to be a tight end for Tennessee we'll see about Travis Kelsey taking another step we'll see about Greg Olson and whether he takes a little step back with Kelvin Benjamin back in that offense these guys don't represent that much of a drop-off now after that we may debate Kobe Fleener um, we may debate Zach Ertz I think it gets a little rougher and then you have some what-if guys we talked about Martellus Bennett I wouldn't be surprised if he scores eight or ten touchdowns this year if Gronkowski gets hurt he could be the number one fantasy tight end. Yeah. Um, you have Dwayne Allen. If he can stay healthy, now he's the number one tight end in Indy. We saw him basically score a touchdown a game when he was healthy a few years ago. So the Jared Cook in Green Bay. They haven't had someone like him since Jermichael Finley. We know what Finley did with Aaron Rodgers. They don't really have a number three receiver that's proven on that team. Maybe he becomes the number three receiver. So there, there's possibilities. But like you said, those possibilities, if we wait, they've confounded us. Every year we have optimism. And most years at tight end, we just go back to the top two or three guys. One other name I'll toss out there is Antonio Gates. Uh, speaking of Matt's point about money, the money San Diego gave him shows me that they still expect him to be a core part of the offense. And when he came back after his suspension last year, he was basically around a top six, top eight fantasy tight end, up and down from week to week. But you know, again, in the red zone, which is where we make our money in fantasy, Rivers is going to look his way. Now, we're just about out of time, but I wanted to ask you about when you think about looking sort of at the margins and trying to find like some other way to sort of gain an end when you're constructing a team, do you look at coaching changes either at the head coach yeah. level, like a Hugh Jackson in Cleveland, or even at the coordinator level, 
and where in the past you might want want to take a flyer on a Cleveland Brown now with what Hugh Jackson's going to probably do with that offense does that give you sort of pause give you a second thought and reaching for one of those guys sure uh, Corey Coleman you know for yeah. instance um, and talking about tight end Gary Barnage might be somebody right. you look to just because who else is going to catch the ball now with Brian Hartline cut I mean he, he's probably going to get almost as many targets as he got last year but I think it's important to look for those year over year changes and look for teams that may be more offensive-minded. Uh, Miami and Adam Gase comes to mind. Yeah, even even cool. San Francisco and Chip Kelly, um, we know that this offense could barely rub two sticks together last year. With Chip Kelly, maybe things change where you know they lose a lot of games. Maybe they lose a lot of games like 54 to 21 or 24, but they weren't putting up those points last year. Someone like Carlos Hyde. Torrey Smith maybe has a resurgence as Chip Kelly just puts in a certain number of deep shots by design. Uh, so, so we do look at those changes. And I think that's the biggest part of fantasy football right now, Mark, is looking at offenses that we know are going to be different. Because we, we're trying to figure out the size of the pie, and we're trying to figure out how the pie is going to be divided up. But the size of the pie changes from year to year. The Minnesota passing game with the introduction of Laquan Treadwell and then moving indoors. How's that going to change things? I think looking at the last year's stats or the average stats over the last three or five years is introducing data which might not be relevant to this year's team. Those are the kind of decisions we have time to think about now. Drafts over, free agency's over, the coaching changes are all done, OTAs are starting. Now we can really look at these depth charts and ask ourselves, what are these offenses going to look like, and how can I benefit from the change that happens every year in the NFL? Sigmund, great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. I know everybody that's listening probably already does, but if you don't, follow Sigmund on Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. Definitely check out the stuff on Football Guys. I'm a subscriber. You should be too. Check out our friends at realitysportsonline.com. Check out that platform. Use the promo code, code PYLON if you do. And, of course, check out insidethepylon.com. Fantasy Week continues. We'll have our last show of Fantasy Week tomorrow with Matt Harmon of Football Guys. We'll get to talk with wide receiver Matt and talk some wide receivers with him. But on behalf of Sigmund Bloom and my friend Chuck Zotto, who's out somewhere in Scandinavia scouting kickers, this is Mark Schoolfield. Thanks again for listening.